Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to another edition of Around the Coin, where we discuss all things banking, payments, fintech and the blockchain. I'm your host, Faisal Khan. Before we continue with our show, I'd like to give a small shout out to our syndication partner, Bank Next, that's banknext, B-A-N-K-N-X-T dot com. Thank you for promoting our podcast. Bitcoin recently experienced a hard fork, which resulted in Bitcoin Classic, if you will, and Bitcoin Cash. This was because of something called the SegWit. Now there is SegWit 2X coming up and the possibility to have perhaps another form of Bitcoin, i.e. there will be three different versions of Bitcoin out to trade and use. To explain all this, we need to bring an expert in. Ryan Charles is the co-founder and CEO of Yours.org. Ryan's been involved in the blockchain industry since 2011. He has worked as an engineer at BitPay and BitGo, as well as he was the cryptocurrency engineer of Reddit from 2014 to 2015. As a proponent of Bitcoin Cash, Ryan explains to us the intricacies of what's happening with Bitcoin. To help us with that, I've invited Nako Mbele, who is one of our new co-hosts, and she will be having this illuminating chat with Ryan. Over to you, Nako and Ryan. Hi, Ryan. It's great to have you on today's show. Ryan Charles is from yours.org. He's a Bitcoin veteran, and I'm really happy to have him speak to us about the state of Bitcoin and what's happening. As all of you may have heard, uh, there's a lot happening with SegWit2x that's coming up, and Ryan is one of the best people to explain to us the other side. Uh, we had last week someone else who was explaining it from a Bitcoin core uh, perspective, and Ryan's here to you know represent uh, an alternative view, in fact. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much, Nako. I'm happy to be here. Great. Okay, so first... Uh, if you can explain, what is SegWit2x and the New York Agreement? Sure. So it's it's somewhat unavoidably technical because uh, you know there, there's this this sort of long term uh, debate within the Bitcoin community about how to correctly scale Bitcoin, and there are, have been a number of proposals over time about how best to do this, and we've arrived at a situation where there's just a very very technical and complicated uh, sort of proposal, so to speak, on the table about how to move forward. Uh, and it's called SegWit2x, 
What SegWit2x is, it's a combination of two different methods for scaling Bitcoin. One is SegWit and the other is 2x, which, which is short for a two times block size increase uh, to increase the number of transactions per second on Bitcoin. Uh, SegWit2x was created, well, it was sort of initiated by DCG. They're uh, a large venture capital firm in this space. They invest in many different Bitcoin companies. And this debate in Bitcoin about how to scale Bitcoin had just dragged on for so long, someone needed to do something. And DCG did something about it, which was basically just to reach out to the entire industry and try to get people to agree to something. And what they ended up agreeing to is SegWit2x. It's a combination of SegWit, or which, which is short for segregated witness, which is sort of its own thing. I, I, I won't explain it right now, but it's just a way, a way to help improve the scaling of Bitcoin, uh, plus the 2x hard fork. So this agreement was formed, oh, earlier this year, I think it was in May, uh, right before, uh, the consensus conference in New York. And that's why it's called the New York Agreement. Uh, many of these businesses that tried to agree to have some consensus about this, this, uh, this plan met in New York and sort of settled on the final statement, which was, uh, we're going to launch SegWit and a 2x increase uh, in the block size. Great. Okay, now many Bitcoiners have heard, obviously, of Bitcoin Cash. And it, and I thought that that increased the block size and there was no other need for debate. So why is there a need for SegWit2x when there's Bitcoin Cash? What What's the difference? Great question. So, you know, SegWit2x brings both a, uh, a modest uh, block size increase with the 2x increase to the max block size plus SegWit. And SegWit is very interesting technology that can be used for, you know, a number of different things. Um, SegWit2x does increase the transaction capacity of Bitcoin, but th- there's just so much uh, disagreement within the Bitcoin world about exactly the right path. And not everyone agrees that the modest scaling proposal coming out of SegWit2x is sufficient. So over a long period of time, a number of people had basically figured out how to do a fork of Bitcoin. And... In July of this year, so just a couple of months ago, um, the, these people basically figured out sort of to fit all the pieces together, how to make it happen to split Bitcoin into a new uh, fork and then to actually do it. So in a very short period of time, the idea for Bitcoin Cash was announced in July and then by August, suddenly it existed. So SegWit2x was actually conceived of before Bitcoin Cash. So the plan for SegWit2x is moving forward as planned, uh, just because, well, you know, they didn't, uh, the, the plan had nothing to do with some alternative, you know, split or fork of the blockchain. So they're just moving forward with it because they all agreed to do so. Meanwhile, some of us realized that Bitcoin Cash solves our problem better than SegWit2x. So we've already migrated. Our business has migrated we're using Bitcoin Cash instead of Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, whether it's needed or not is kind of a, uh, I'll, I'll say that I'll put it this way. There are actually three different future paths for Bitcoin that are on the table. It's Bitcoin Cash, SegWit2x, and SegWit1x, for lack of a better term. SegWit1x is just no block size increase. And there's actually a 
number of people in the space that are strongly supportive of simply using SegWit and not increasing the base block size at all. So there are really actually three paths. Bitcoin Cash is on the let's just scale everything on chain, uh, you know, sort of uh, philosophy. The SegWit 1x philosophy is sort of the opposite, which is let's make it let's make it easy to scale everything off chain and don't do on chain scaling or have minimal on chain scaling. And SegWit 2x is actually a compromise. It's somewhere in the middle where it's both SegWit plus a modest uh, increase to the base block size. So we're in very, very uncertain times. There are a lot of questions you could ask, like, what is actually going to happen? Uh, what are the different businesses going to do? What, are, what is the price going to be? Um, it's, it's very unclear, but I will just say that, at least for our business, we've definitely made up our minds that Bitcoin Cash solves the problem we had best. So we've already migrated. And so the uncertainty is around what all the other businesses are going to do. That's a good segue into my next question, which is, what are your thoughts on Bitwalla pulling out of the New York agreement? Uh, that That's the only company that I've heard publicly say they're they're not going to be a part of the agreement. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so uh, so it's interesting that actually so many companies are still moving forward with Segwit2x is one way that I look at it, um, because there's still a lot of really vitriolic debate going on. Like when I say vitriol, what I mean is it's an ongoing thing on a daily basis for those of us in the industry that you see people like ragging on each other on social media. So it's really like the debate has gotten to a point where it's very, very negative um, and it's very extreme and very polarized. So it's actually interesting that the industry by and large has actually sort of stuck to their guns uh, and are still moving forward with SegWit uh, 2X in spite of all of the, you know, the heated and negative debate that's going on. I'm not surprised that, that Bitwalla uh, got out of the agreement. Um, I think that, look, they should do whatever they believe is best. If they want to support whatever it is that they support, SegWit 1X, um, they should just support whatever is appropriate, you know, for themselves and for their users. Um, yeah. Okay. And interest, it'll be interesting to see who else makes announcements and, and follows suit. Now, in terms of the miners, because they're a huge part of the, the network, obviously, what's the current situation uh, where do where do the miners stand versus you know Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Core, uh, Bitcoin Core, Segwit two X? What what are the miners saying about sure. all this? Sure. So that's a great question. So you have to distinguish between what are the miners actually mining, and then what are they saying publicly, which are not necessarily the same thing. Um, so you know, I'll just I'll you know because your audience is not predominantly technical, I'll just give sort of a brief review of mining on Bitcoin, how this works because it's relevant. So mining on Bitcoin is done by performing a proof of work function, which is double SHA two fifty six, and it involves basically you take the current pool of transactions, put them in a big list, and then add a nonce, and then you iterate the nonce, and you try to change the proof of work function, try to change the resulting hash of the proof of work function to be basically to start with a certain number of zeros that prove that you looked at it uh, and did a bunch of work on that block. And if the, you get a certain number of zeros, then you have a valid block. And this matters because the consensus mechanism of Bitcoin is proof of work and it's powered by computation. So the more sort of computers or the more 
you know, com- you know computing hardware or hashing hardware you have uh, mining on a particular chain, the more secure it is. So what the miners are doing in practice right now is they're looking at both Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash and roughly speaking, they are mining what is most profitable. So what we've seen throughout, you know, this brief history of Bitcoin Cash since it launched on August 1st is the profitability of mining Bitcoin Cash versus Bitcoin has changed and the miners, miners will actually switch to whichever one is the most profitable for them. So that's what we've seen them doing. Um, what they've said publicly is a little bit different. Again, it's, it's just more complicated because it's not just Bitcoin Cash versus Bitcoin. It's really Bitcoin Cash versus Segwit2x versus Segwit1x or uh, Bitcoin Core would, all, would be another name for Segwit1x. Um, what the miners are saying publicly is they support Segwit2x. They support, you know, the, the industry agreement. They're going to go along with the other businesses in the space and they fully intend to mine Segwit2x. Uh, however, Bitcoin Cash, because it's not, you know, it's, it's not Bitcoin. It's, it's really an altcoin. Uh, it is a split or a fork of Bitcoin. Uh, they can mine Bitcoin Cash if they want to without breaking the agreement. So the reality of what they're doing is they're mining whatever's most profitable. So what they're saying about what's going to happen in November is uh, when we see the next split in Bitcoin, which will be basically Bitcoin Core Segwit1x versus Segwit2x, the miners are saying they're going to mine Segwit2x. Uh, however, let's see what actually happens because they're going to, I mean, they have to factor in their business metrics here. They're going to mine whatever's most profitable for them because they have to earn money to pay their expenses. Uh, it would be irrational to pursue something that is not profitable. So the, the market has a lot to say here. I mean, what are the speculators going to be buying? What are the prices of these assets going to be? The speculators, the people that buy and own these cryptocurrencies have a lot of power here because if they bump up the price of one of them, they can make that one more profitable for the miners. So it's very unclear what will actually happen. But to answer your question, the miners remain committed publicly, they've stated, to mining Segwit2x. Right, right. And I'm glad you brought up speculators because uh, as we saw with with Segwit, a lot of, um, you know, owners, Bitcoin, Bitcoiners, uh, decided to do a user activated uh, fork. And so uh, what what role do you think the speculators will play in chapter two, if you want to call it that? I mean, and and mind you, the speculators can be divided into two camps. They're, they're day traders, they're people who literally speculate. Uh, and then they're the, the long term speculators, the people who don't sell, regardless of what happens, they just hold on to Bitcoin. Uh, and they're in it for the long haul. What 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 role do you think that they're they're going to play in the scaling debate? What are you seeing? Yeah, absolutely. That's a it's a great distinction to distinguish between the the day traders and the long term holders. It's really the long term holders that have the most power here because they determine you know the the long term price of the assets. The day traders basically provide liquidity so that you can buy and sell cryptocurrency quickly. Uh, they can profit from volatility. They profit when things go up and down, but they don't necessarily have a huge amount of money in a particular coin to keep the price permanently elevated. The long-term holders, the people that own a huge amount of cryptocurrency are the ones that support the price and really maintain long-term, 
you know, the, the sort of a price floor for, for a particular uh, cryptocurrency. So they both have power, but it's really the long-term speculators that have the most power here. Uh, they can determine, you know, over, over a long period of time, what is the most profitable uh, cryptocurrency to mine. Great. So now in terms of the, the effect that all of this is having on the entire market, I mean, we've seen Ethereum rise to a, a really solid number two position, which I think surprises a lot of people how quickly that happened. And we've also seen, you know, altcoins like Dash that have increased in value, you know, beyond any what anybody ever thought uh, very quickly. What kind of impact do you think this is having on the overall market, particularly coins like Dash, uh, where a huge segment of that community was really made up of, you know, people that would normally be supporting Bitcoin cash? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So uh, I'll say that I come at this from the point of view of I, I consider myself a former Bitcoin maximalist. And let me explain what that is. So I was introduced to Bitcoin in 2011. And so I've been involved in the Bitcoin and crypto industry for more than six years now. And if you study how Bitcoin works, it solves a whole lot of problems. And most of the altcoins uh, don't actually solve anything that much better than Bitcoin that you really need to use them from like a user point of view. It's so much more convenient to just use one currency for most use cases that, you know, to, to put it, I'm not trying to offend the altcoins when I say it, but I'll just say it in sort of an extreme way. Most altcoins are pointless if Bitcoin simply works. And the problem that has happened with Bitcoin is, you know, many of us in the space thought that when we, the Bitcoin community, have sufficient adoption uh, where the transactions are, you know, we're basically hitting this block size limit, we're just going to increase the block size. And we started getting near that more than two years ago. And what happened since then is this, this increasingly vitriolic debate about what to do and how to scale Bitcoin. And I firmly believe that the stagnation and the, uh, you know, the, the sour negative community of Bitcoin has driven people out of Bitcoin and into all of the alternative cryptocurrencies. So it's actually the, the problems with Bitcoin. When I say problems with Bitcoin, I'm primarily talking cultural problems. Because at a purely technical level, these problems can be solved very easily. Um, we can just increase the block size, and there are technical challenges there, but it's 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 minor. It's it's relatively easy to solve those problems. It's the vitriolic debate that has caused the most problems. So people have been driven out. I mean, the founders of Ethereum came from Bitcoin. They left the Bitcoin community and made their own coin. Uh, and that's true for a lot of other cryptocurrencies. And the other thing that's happening is new people coming into the space. They look at Bitcoin and lo they look at all the other cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin looks crazy because this debate is, is just, you know, it's like, well, we can't use something that has such an incredibly uncertain future. Let's go use one of these other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum that has a positive community that's making progress, that they're solving their, their debates and they're solving their technical challenges. And so Ethereum looks very, very compelling to anybody entering the space at this time. So that's the, the, the first part is just that, uh, the, the problems with the Bitcoin community have empowered all of the altcoins. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely someone who's diversified 
because of the problems in Bitcoin. Uh, and I agree with you. I think a lot of the alts are, you know, kind of replicas of, 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 uh, Bitcoin. Um, but I see governance as being the, the thing that makes me want to continue to diversify. I'm worried about the governance issue. And do you think there's any way we can get around governing as a community? Like what's, what can be solved? What can be added? Are, are there features perhaps the way other uh, tokens have added governance features, whether it be Dash or uh, Tezos, you know, adding some sort of governance mechanism to ensure that, that they don't have the same problems as Bitcoin? Is that something that's doable? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to give you two answers to this. First of all, uh, well, I'll give you three, actually. So the, the first one is maybe there's some type of technical solution here. And I'll just say, yes, that's possible. It's unclear what that would be, and it would be very challenging to actually implement at a, at a technical level into Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Uh, the, the next answer is uh, perhaps there are non-technical solutions here. So perhaps we could create some type of standards body like IEEE or the W3, which allows industry participants and users, miners, and so on to get together in some type of sort of legal structure, something like a nonprofit organization, or even, even strictly speaking, perhaps it doesn't have to be a legal corporation or structure at all. Perhaps it's just some type of, you know, community structure that allows people to, you know, to work together, to arrive at an answer here, to arrive at some type of path forward. Um, so that would be sort of a social answer to the question. There's a, there's another answer though, which is the market answer. And the market answer is kind of a way of saying, well, maybe there's no answer at all, but it, in many ways, it's, it's the best and ultimate answer that's going to happen no matter, no, no matter what. The market answer is, well, look, um, once these cryptocurrencies split off and you have multiple of them, some are going to have better properties than others and, and they're going to have, you know, more users and they're going to have, you know, they're going to reach a larger audience and they're going to have a larger price and so on. The market can solve this problem by just allowing one of the cryptocurrencies or multiple of them to rise in price and for others to fall. So the market answer is actually what I believe is ultimately going to happen. And I would say that, you know, again, as a business, we switch to Bitcoin Cash. We are definitely more bullish on Bitcoin Cash than the average person in the Bitcoin space. Just looking at the price between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin, uh, I would, you know, we're buying Bitcoin Cash uh, because we think that long term the price is going to increase. So I think that there's a market answer here, which is basically just the best one will win. Uh, and that's really not a bad, you know, solution here. Uh, just let the one with the best properties reach the most users and have the highest price and so on. And the market will govern what happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's also interesting that a lot of people are looking at it very differently now and thinking that maybe the forks are not such a bad thing and they're seeing them as, as dividends. In fact, you know, I'm hearing people uh, on YouTube saying, Hey guys, you know, we're, we're getting another, another payout. If there's another, if there's another fork, like let's, let's be thankful instead of looking at it as a negative thing. Uh, do you, do you agree with that sentiment? Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's very, uh, sort of, uh, you know, coming from this, uh, uh, sort of Bitcoin maximalist point of view that I have, um, I, I had to learn to, to sort of realize that that's okay and that's a good thing. So I, I absolutely agree with that. I think it's okay that there are multiple currencies and they just have different properties. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very, uh, sort of, uh, 
it's a solution that will actually work. So it, 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 you know, if we can't come to some agreement about what to do, well, the market's going to decide either way and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just fine. Great. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious to know what your, uh, and we probably have gone over this before, but you, you know, you're a technologist, but you're also a business person. So why do you think there's such a disconnect between the two groups? Is there any, any, you know, thread of commonality that you see, you know, being both that, that might unite the two camps? Absolutely. So I'm going to dive into some controversial territory here when I say what I'm about to say. Um, There is, first of all, you know, if you, if you sort of read social media, you might get the impression that it's the developers versus the business people. That is absolutely not the case. There are developers and business people on both sides of this debate. It's really more of a philosophical or ideological difference. Um, and what I see is on the small block side or the Bitcoin core side or the Segwit 1x side, whatever you want to call it, they have pursued strategies that are, that are, uh, very divisive. They have created a cultural problem. What they've done is they have basically over a long period of time, this particular culture of people that agree with each other, um, took over the communication platforms of Bitcoin. When I say took over, it's, it's actually not quite that extreme because they've controlled them for so long that they simply sort of inherited these as the community grew. But because the people that control the Bitcoin development mailing list, the Bitcoin talk forum and r slash Bitcoin on Reddit are friends with each other. What they've done is actually to censor anybody who disagreed with them. They simply removed any debate about the right path forward. And this created a huge problem. It created a situation where the debate couldn't happen anywhere. It ended up going off on all these other channels. Like just to give you a, you know, a, a sense for this. I'm on something like at least 10 different Slack channels. I'm on a number of different WeChat groups and WhatsApp, you know, you know calls with people. Uh, there are a number of different forums on the internet. There are a number of different subreddits. Um, instead of having a place where we can talk about these things, the conversation has been split up across a thousand different places. So that this ends up with like basically like-minded people talk with each other is what ended up happening. So I blame the people that controlled the forums with eliminating one side of the debate with causing uh, a, a problem with respect to how to arrive at an agreement about a path forward. And, and do you see that changing in the future or, I mean, are we at a st- stalemate? It's a great question. So to be honest, like I, I, I'm going to appeal again to the market answer here because I do see it changing in the, in the future, but not because the people who control those forums are simply going to change their mind. What I think is going to happen is all the new people entering the space are just not going to use the Bitcoin development mailing list. They're not going to use the Bitcoin talk forum and they're not going to go to r slash Bitcoin to talk about this stuff because they're censored. I mean, like you, you can't have, there's no way to have information or opinions that disagree with their, their stance. So all that other conversation is just going elsewhere. So what I believe will happen is forums that actually do a good job of curating the truth and curating high quality information, they will end up winning, but they're not going to be Bitcoin core focused 
forums. They're going to be something else. It could be Bitcoin Cash. It could be Ethereum. It could be crypto as a whole. Um, other communication platforms will end up winning. It's not going to be that the current forums change their mind. Interesting. Well, that's something that we'll all have to keep an eye on. Uh, now, do you think we'll have three Bitcoin chains in November? Great question. So I think the answer is probably yes. I think we're actually going to have three Bitcoin chains, which is a shocking and unprecedented development for those of us who've been in the space for a long time. I mean, I never would have thought this would happen until this year. Um, I do think we're going to see three forks, but I would say that I don't think that three forks can necessarily survive long term unless there are a certain number of conditions that are met. Uh, it would be very, very surprising if we have three different forks of Bitcoin sharing the same proof of work function. I think the most likely scenario, well, there are a number of different scenarios. Let me paint them. Um, so first of all, Bitcoin Cash already exists, and I believe it can't die because they made a very smart decision with respect to something called the EDA or emergency difficult adjustment. If miners leave Bitcoin Cash, the difficulty of mining Bitcoin Cash can adjust downwards more rapidly, which means it can survive on less and less mining power if necessary. Bitcoin can't survive on less and less mining power indefinitely because if the miners evacuate, the difficulty goes from adjusting every two weeks to potentially arbitrarily long. So what would end up happening is, let's say 90% of miners left Bitcoin. What would end up happening is, instead of taking two weeks uh, to adjust difficulty, it would take 20 weeks to adjust difficulty. And meanwhile, blocks go from occurring every 10 minutes to occurring every 100 minutes. So all of a sudden, you have you know seven transactions per second. Now you've got something like, you know, one seventh of a transaction per second theoretical maximum on Bitcoin in that situation. So if that actually happened, if a large fraction of miners left Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be in a disastrous situation where you could barely transact on that blockchain. You, you couldn't get your transaction through. Transaction fees would be extremely expensive. So what, what will happen between Segwit2x and Bitcoin Core in November is as follows. Um, one of them is going to have a higher price, and that is probably going to be the one that the miners mine, uh, independent of what occurred, uh, you know, with independent of their agreement with Segwit2x. Um, if it's not due to the price, then they'll just stick with Segwit2x as they agreed. Either way, uh, one of these changes is going to have more mining power, and the other one is going to have radically less mining power. So a plausible scenario would be that as agreed, the businesses and miners adopt Bitcoin, or sorry, adopt Segwit2x, leaving Bitcoin Core with a very small fraction of mining power. If that occurs, technically Bitcoin can Bitcoin Core can continue to exist, but it'll have the scenario that I just discussed, which is if the mining power is that low, it will be practically useless. You won't be able to send and receive transactions on Bitcoin, and the fees will be absolutely outrageous. So it's hard to imagine how it could survive in that scenario. And I predicted earlier this year that Bitcoin Core would probably have an emergency change to their proof of work function. They've already discussed this a number of times. There are a number of people in the Bitcoin Core world that think that's perfectly fine. So I think that's a very plausible scenario that what ends up happening is Segwit2x becomes Bitcoin and Bitcoin Core forks off onto their own chain using a different proof of work function. Um, there are other scenarios you can paint, like it could be that perhaps the speculators 
elevate the price of Bitcoin Core above SegWit2x, and the miners decide to not follow the agreement and mine Bitcoin Core instead, in which case the scenario would be flipped and SegWit2x would be the one with insufficient mining power and uh, you know then it would be unusable. Uh, so the, either of those scenarios are possible. Um, I do think that a change to the proof of work function of one of these is quite likely uh, for that for that reason. Uh, but either way, you know what'll end up happening is there's so much value stored in these uh, in these cryptocurrencies that people are probably going to try and make them survive one way or another. So I think it's pretty likely we're going to see three of them. Only one of them will probably be called Bitcoin. Uh, the other ones will probably adopt different names like Bitcoin Core, Bitcoin Segwit2x, and Bitcoin Cash. Um, I think it's pretty likely they'll survive, but only one of them can can sort of maintain the existing proof-of-work function and maintain a majority of miners and continue being the longest chain and have the highest price and so on. So yeah, we'll see three, but they're not all three going to be called Bitcoin. Wow. That was... Uh overwhelming <laughs> to say the least but uh, and and I'm and I'm wondering for the people who aren't in the space who haven't purchased their first bitcoin yet or even their altcoin when they hear all of this I mean where should they begin if I you know I'm listening to this and I'm thinking you know I I'd like to to get some bitcoin I mean what would you suggest to a beginner somebody who's never owned it, but they, but they're curious and they, and they want to get in. What would you suggest? Yeah. So first of all, you, it's very important that you do your research. We're very early in this industry still. I mean, people will ask questions like, am I too late? You're certainly not too late. There's still a lot of gain to be made from investing in cryptocurrencies, but I would urge everyone to take it very seriously and realize that losing your money completely is a possibility. So be sure you actually do your research thoroughly and you know you understand security. You understand how to hold your cryptocurrency. You, you make an educated decision about whether to hold it on an exchange or whether to use a hardware wallet or something like that to hold the keys yourself. Be sure to understand to some extent the technology here. Uh, have some idea how they work. Have some idea about the culture, about what you're investing in. Who are the people working on this? Who are the people writing the software? Who are the people running the businesses that operate on these cryptocurrencies? So my first suggestion to anyone getting into the space is basically be sure that the level of research and understanding that you do is on par with the amount of money that you put into it. I would also say that, look, I mean, I'm completely full-time in this industry and I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I mean, it would be crazy, in my opinion, to go all in in a single cryptocurrency at this time, unless you're very, very sure. Um, you should diversify. You should research multiple cryptocurrencies. You should put your money into cryptocurrencies in such a way that it's it matches your level of understanding of how they work and what the culture is and your level of risk. Uh, and you should acknowledge that that it's possible for them to go to one or more of them to go to zero. It's also possible and frankly likely that they're going to lose a huge amount of value. So just be aware of the risks. And I would urge everyone to take, you know, research and understanding seriously and be, be sure you, you understand what you're getting into. Great advice. Very good advice. Now, uh, I know you said, you, you know, you, you're not sure what's going to happen, but I, I'm curious to know, where do you think the price will be at the end of the year? So December 31st, 
what are your guess? What's your guess for Bitcoin, the price for Bitcoin, the price for Bitcoin Cash? And if there is a third um, SegWit2x chain, what what the price of that would be? Can can you give us some estimates? Yeah, that's a really, really tough question to ask. So it'll be funny for me to look back and see how close I was when I say this. Um, I would say that I would be shocked if the prices were similar to what they are today. I expect them to be either higher or lower. Um, I think a plausible scenario will be Bitcoin Cash will probably be higher, but it could just as well be significantly lower. I mean, the uncertainty is vast. I mean, if I had to give, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. I know I said the price won't be the same, but because I see so much uncertainty that I'm going to have to give like an average price, like it could either be $2,000 or it could be $50. And let's just say, roughly speaking, the average of that is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $500. Um, that's not, it's like, that's, a, that's about the best I can do for Bitcoin Cash because the, the future is so uncertain for Bitcoin Cash. I will say that in, in the ca case of Bitcoin Cash, we are trying to help Bitcoin Cash work. We're working with other businesses. We're trying to increase the, the economic infrastructure around Bitcoin Cash and make sure that there are use cases for this. We are trying to help the Bitcoin Cash community. And if we are successful, we should have some impact on raising the price of Bitcoin Cash. With Bitcoin, again, it's, it's somewhat of a similar situation. Um, I think that because Bitcoin has the better brand, um, you know, whichever one is regarded as being Bitcoin is probably still going to have a strong price. But we might be exiting the bubble right now that that we that we entered you know, throughout this year. That cryptocurrencies have fallen significantly in the past few days. Um, again, I could see the price being significantly higher or significantly lower. I would say that whichever one is called Bitcoin is probably going to have a higher price. So the hard part is which one's going to be Bitcoin? Is it going to be Segwit2x or is it going to be Bitcoin Core? I would say it's probably going to be Segwit2x and the price will probably be at least $4,000 by the end of the year. And I could see it being significantly higher. So I'd say there's less uncertainty in the case of uh, Bitcoin if you include both Segwit2x and Bitcoin Core. The problem is which one? So is Bitcoin Core going to be the one that has, uh, you know, the dominant price and is regarded as Bitcoin or is it going to be Segwit2x? One thing you can do is if you buy the cryptocurrency now and you hold your private keys, you will own both of them at the time of the fork. So the simple thing you can do as an investor, if you're committed to owning Bitcoin and you agree with me that the price will probably end up being higher by the end of the year, um, buy it before November and then just hold it through the fork. And that way you own both of them. And so you sort of win either way. Um, we'll just have to see what happens after the fork in November because things could change significantly. So this is a, it's an unusual time in, in the Bitcoin and crypto world because the uncertainty is frankly higher than it, than it has been in recent years. I mean, the uncertainty is at least as high now as it's ever been. So it's very, very hard to predict, you know, what the price will be on a, on a given date. But just to summarize, I'll say that the average price I give for Bitcoin Cash is going to be about $500. I think that Bitcoin, which will probably be Bitcoin Segwit2x, will be north of $4,000. And I'd say that Bitcoin Core will probably have a very low price. That will probably be what happens in Bitcoin Core because it's going to be useless uh, because there isn't going to have enough mining power. 
will probably have a low price. It might change its proof of work function. It might settle out somewhere in the neighborhood of where Bitcoin Cash is right now, which would be $500. So that's the best guess I can give. Wow, those are really interesting, interesting uh, guess guesses. Uh, I just want to let our listeners know that any uh, advice or rather not advice, but anything you hear on this podcast is not financial advice. Okay, we're not financial advisors. So these are all opinions. And as Ryan stated, it's very important that you do your own research before you get into and into any cryptocurrency for that matter. Um, yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to add, Ryan, uh, in terms of, you know, the whole space, um, what's happening with Bitcoin? Is there anything else that you sure. want to leave our listeners with? Sure. So, so because we, it, it, those of us who are immersed in the space are in this heated debate, I, I sometimes c- come across as being slightly negative, but I'm actually incredibly optimistic and bullish about this industry as a whole. This is still very early. This technology is going to change how the world works. It's going to impact everything. It's going to change how the economy works. It's going to change how businesses work. It's going to change how you do things in your daily life. We are still very early, and I'm extremely optimistic about the positive changes that are going to come out of this industry. So it's it's a very exciting time. And although it's very uncertain, in some ways, it's kind of fun. You know, I mean, it's kind of cool to be immersed in this industry at this time and to be a part of history. You know, that when we go meet people at conferences and stuff like that, we are, you know, I've met a number of people over the years at industry events, and it's so interesting to follow up with people over long periods of time and watch how things have changed and talk about the the crazy things that happened in the past. So I think it's a very exciting time, and I'm extremely optimistic about the the, the potential of, of the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry over the long term. Thank you. Uh, so am I. I. I'm also very bullish, very excited. And you're right, it is fun. It, it can be stressful at times. But I think overall, it is a fun space. And i um, really excited to see what's going to happen in November, what's going to happen at the end of the year. Um, it's it's quite an interesting time to be a part of the community. Well, with that said, I want to thank you so much again for imparting your wisdom with our audience. Thank you so much. And just tell us, um, our audience, where they can reach you if they wanted to contact you. Sure. So first of all, our website is yours.org, Y-O-U-R-S.org. You know, come visit our our, uh, our, our product and, and try it out. You can find me specifically. I'm big on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is RyanXCharles. Um, you can also just Google my name, RyanXCharles, and find a bunch of, uh, you know, social media links and things of that sort. Uh, my email address is ryan at yours.org if, uh, if somebody would like to reach out to me directly. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. And listeners, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nako. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.